pandemic, a contentious election cycle, a divisive media on both the right and the left, endless arguments over social issues, church division and arguments. If there was ever a time in the history of our society when we needed more of the Spirit in our lives, it's now. This series is a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we're talking about how we can have more of these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us as we talk about life by the Spirit. Uh, good Sunday to talk about patience. Um, and this really, any Sunday is a good Sunday for me to talk about patience because that required zero acting on my part. I didn't, as a matter of fact, if you noticed, Tim was kind of caught off guard with the sternness of my what. He was like, are we, are we still pretending or is this like, what, are we in a staff meeting? What's going on? I don't know what just happened here. But um, this is, uh, all of us could probably use a message on patience. Uh, that's, it's a, it's that time of year again. We just finished Thanksgiving. We are heading into Christmas. We're, we, just, we just jumped both feet into Christmas with Christmas songs and trees and lighting of the Advent candle. And this is a time of year when we need a little extra dose of, of patience, especially in 2021. Uh, we could all use uh, more patience. And we're yes, we're kicking off Advent today, but we're also kind of continuing our Life by the Spirit series. So this is, this is a little bit different because uh, we've, the Advent has four themes. Hope, we heard today from Charles, hope, peace, joy, and love. And uh, our Life by the Spirit study, we did the fruits of the Spirit in backwards order because the last three Sundays of the fruits of the Spirit line up perfectly with the last three Sundays of Advent. So the last three Sundays of the fruits of the Spirit, we're going to talk about peace, joy, and love. Uh, today, we're talking about patience or forbearance, as the way it's said in the, the NIV, and it's not quite hope. It, you know, it's, it's a bit of a stretch. What we're doing today is a bit of a stretch. Like, I'm having to really kind of force it in there to make this fit with what I wanted to do today. But um, it's not completely disconnected from this season. Patience is not. So patience is, is about waiting. Advent is a season of waiting. That's, that's what this is about. Advent is waiting on the coming Christ. But you're not waiting in any old way. It's not just like killing time, twiddling your thumbs, you know, just, oh, well, let's wait and see what happens here. It's a specific type of waiting. You're waiting with expectation. You're waiting with hope. You're waiting with the belief that something good is coming. Someone good is coming. So we're waiting in this season as we start the first Sunday. Each Sunday kind of builds up in this as we're waiting the coming of the Messiah. The same way that the children of Israel awaited this coming Messiah. These prophets, Isaiah and others, had prophesied that a Messiah was coming to rescue and redeem his people. And so they're waiting on this Messiah. They're waiting on the Christ, the anointed one, Emmanuel, God with us. And so that's the same way we wait during the season of Advent. And the best way I can explain it to you is with a sports analogy because sports analogies explain everything. And I'm sorry if you're not a sports person because you, you get tired of preachers using them. But uh, what I thought about was last year I, I had a chance to coach uh, 
Zion Christian Academy softball. I became the head coach. I was, for 10 years, I was the assistant coach. I love being an assistant coach. And uh, our head coach left, and they asked me if I would step into the head coach role, and I said yes. It was my daughter's last year, so my daughter was a senior, and we'd been playing softball since both my kids were three years old, so, you know, this is her senior year. I'm not going to let her go out with some coach that I don't know. I'm going to, I'll coach the team, and I'll do it. And uh, I went into that season like, like this is the time of year when you start thinking about softball season. I know that's weird because it's wintertime, but like already we're like putting practices together and thinking about the schedule and all that kind of stuff. And so I went into last season very excited and very nervous. And like right about this time of year, I was already thinking about like I couldn't wait for it to begin. Like I was anxious for softball season to begin because I knew like that was, I felt like something good was coming. I felt like we had the right players in place. It was my daughter's last year. and It just felt like something good was coming. And so I was waiting, but it's not just a waiting like, oh, well, you know, I guess it'll get here eventually. You know, I mean, it's, it's, an, it's like this excited waiting. And the closer guy, you know, you start preseason conditioning, it's like, oh, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. And then you start the actual first day of practice, it's getting closer, it's getting closer. And then you have that actual first game, and like, oh, it's finally here, I've been waiting for this. And, this. and that's the kind of waiting we're talking about for having. Like, it's a waiting with the expectation and the hope that something good is coming, something good is coming, and I just can't wait to get to that celebration and to celebrate that something good that's coming. And so the way we've built this calendar is that it kind of builds an excitement as the season continues. So today we got the angel tree out there, and you know, the next Sunday that gingerbread bash, and then the next Sunday we got the Christmas pageant, and it all builds towards Christmas Eve and, and our, our celebration on Christmas Eve. And I wanna encourage you to invite people to join us during this time. This is a time of year that people think about church that maybe don't normally think about church. And people think about faith that don't normally think about faith. This is that kind of one of those time of year. We get all liturgical during the holidays at Murray Hills. I don't know, we started that about four or five years ago. We're a very informal, uh, low church, if you know what I mean. There's low church, high church. Kind of high church, think of my brother over Chris Bowie at the St. Peter's Episcopal. I love going to high church services, but it, you know they're very liturgical, uh, ordinate oriented services we're the total opposite of that until it comes to christmas and until it comes to easter and we like we, we i don't know we love the liturgical calendar when it comes to this time so we're, we're celebrating advent for the purpose of building in that expectation and that waiting and 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 that coming christ is coming christ is coming so i would encourage you to invite people to be a part of this invite people to be a part of christmas at murray hills like if you've been thinking about somebody in your family, you've been thinking about one of your friends, somebody that you work with, and you're like, man, I'd love to get them in church sometime, or I wish they'd come with me sometime, this is the time to invite them, to come to Advent or maybe invite them to Christmas Eve services um, and, and just invite them to be a part of what we're doing here during this season of Christmas. So let's, uh, let's dig into the scriptures and let's talk about patience today. Uh, I got some big Greek words and all that. I got all kind of fun stuff for us today. So uh, Galatians chapter five is where we've been. If you haven't been here, we've been in Galatians five and we're talking about the fruits of the spirit. So the, if, if, Christ is, or if the spirit is living in us, he will produce Christ-like attitudes, behaviors, and characteristics in our lives. Those include things like love, joy, peace, and patience. And patience is the one uh, we're looking at today. And I've got a definition. Throw that one up for me, uh, Noah. The, the Greek, the Greek word there, makrothemia, I think I'm saying it right. Makrothemia. 
Um, and here's the definition from Strong's Dictionary, is that patience, endurance, constancy, steadfastness, perseverance, especially as shown in bearing troubles or ills. I want you to pay attention to the last part of that definition because that's the one that I think that the Greek, you know, the, the Greeks had more words than the English do. Like, you know, the Greeks had four words for love and we have one word for love, so we can talk about love for hot dogs the same way we talk about love for spouses. It's, it's weird. English is weird like that. Uh, the Greeks have multiple words for patience too, and, and they could mean slightly different things, but this one is specific type of patience it's talking about. And most of your translations, if you look up uh, the way that this word is translated in Galatians 5.22, in most translations it's patient. That's the word, just patient. And so like the ESV and the New American Standard Version and the Revised Standard Version, all those, they just use the word patient. There's two translations that do it just a little bit differently. One of them's the old King James Version, and it uses the word long-suffering. And then the NIV, in the, the new version of the NIV, changed the word patience to forbearance. And I think what both of them have done is kind of deepen the meaning of patience, because it's not just any kind of patience we're talking about. There's a specific type of patience that we're talking about. Just like, you know, Charles talking about in the communion meditation, it's not just any kind of hope. There's a specific type of hope talked about in the Bible. This is a specific type of patience. And the Amplified Bible, like I looked this up before Thanksgiving, and I was looking at how every single English translation translated this Greek word. And the Amplified Bible you know, they get to explain things just a little bit more than all the other translations. But look at the way it translated Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. I love this right here. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, joy, peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. Now look at that. <laughs> not the ability to wait, because all of us have the ability to wait. All of us can be patient, but it's more about how we act while waiting. And um, that's, I'm using Rubel Shelley's book. He wrote this thing like in 1984. And uh, I'm using some of his material for this as I prepare for Fruits of the Spirit. But he writes about this Greek word, and he says it's generally tinged with a note of restraint and resignation, even passivity. It seems to recognize that sometimes there is no identifiable place to push back. There is no handle to grab on in order to cope with the situation. And so it implies a willingness to wait, accepting the fact that not every problem has an instant cure and not every desire has an instant gratification. One must suffer long and wait with patience for God to open a door of deliverance. And that's that King James, the long-suffering or the, you know, the, the forbearance. You gotta, so it's, it's not just the idea. And we don't like that. Like, right? We do not like That's not the way we wait. That's not the way any of us have patience. We like to be able to have some type of control over the situation, some way that we can push things into our direction, some way that we can make things go the way we want them to go. And some of you tried to do that Thursday or Friday, like you were, you were with the family, and like, oh, oh, I just wish he would do this, or she would do this, and so you tried to kind of push and steer that conversation, because we don't like patience. And what Shelley's getting at, and what the Greek's getting at, and what the Amplified Bible's getting at, is all of this idea, like there's two different ways of, of waiting, or there's two different kinds of patience. Like if you'll think about it in a, like when you're waiting on, you're going somewhere, you're meeting somebody for this appointment, and you're running late, and she's still getting ready, or he's still getting ready, and uh, you're, like, you're ready, they're not ready, and, and you're kind of, you're waiting. You're being patient. 
there's two different ways that you can be patient in that scenario, right? You can be patient by walking around the house and sighing very loudly and huffing and puffing and turn off all the TVs and turn off all the lights, including the bathroom light where she's getting ready and all that, like, you know, like, like it's time, what are we doing? And you can ask every two or three seconds, like, well, are, are you ready? Is there, you got one thing? Anything I can help you with? Anything, that's, the, that's the passive aggressive version. Anything I can help you with? Anything I can help you get ready? Okay. Um, or, you know, honking the horn, or, you know, we can wait in that way. I've never done that before, by the way. I've heard about people, like people have come to me for counseling, and, you know, and they've told me about that. So I've never done it. Um, my spouse, well, spouses hate that. Let me just put it that way. Like, when we, when we wait in that way, nobody likes that, right? Because it feels pressure cooker, and it's stressful, and you're irritated, and you're frustrated. So you can wait. You can say, I'm being patient. But you can be patiently frustrated and patiently irritated and patiently stressed. Or you can wait with forbearance and long-suffering and slow to anger and empathy and just, just being patient in that situation. Either way, you're going to be late. You're already late. You can either be late and that's it, or you can be late and fight about it all the way to the place. It's a whole lot more peaceful and better just to be late. Because you're already late. Just be late. Put a smile on and don't worry about it. It's, and that's what it's getting at. You know, it's not about being, it's not the act of waiting. It's how we act while we're waiting. Now, it's one thing to do that when we're talking about something pretty insignificant by being late, late for an appointment. I mean, we're talking about like, you know, hey, we're going to be 10 minutes late, and they're going to be mad at us. You know, we're going to be, we were late for Thanksgiving dinner. That's another story. I'll tell that one later. Uh, you know, like, you know it's, it's 2.10. The dinner started at 1. Uh, but it's, <laughs> the girls are texting and all that, you know. It's, um, that, at the end of the day, that's not that big a deal. I, like, we were last in line. That's pretty much, we still got to eat with the family, but we were last in line. It's one thing when we're talking about patience in those scenarios. It's another thing when we're talking about patience when it comes to um, waiting on someone we love to overcome addiction or um, waiting on a child to come back to God. And we've been praying and praying and praying that they would come back to faith and they just haven't yet. Or um, waiting for somebody we love or a friend to you know, control their impulses or to, to learn how to control their anger better or, or waiting for something like we, waiting for something good to come with, with our job. You know, we just, we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for that thing to come through and it just hadn't come through or waiting, waiting for a relationship to repair or waiting for um, uh, forgiveness to occur in a relationship, waiting for somebody we love to, to, to recover their emotional or their mental health. How do you wait in those situations? Because the waiting, when you're talking about being late for a dinner appointment somewhere, that's like a 10-minute frustration. And we can all handle a 10-minute frustration. How do you wait for a 10-year frustration? Or a 10-month frustration? Like, like it's just, it just doesn't seem like it's ever going to end. And how do I exhibit patience in these situations? Well, the stakes are a lot higher there. And who we look to is God. Is our example because in the fruit of the spirit, every single one of the fruits of the spirit are characteristics of God, except for maybe self-control. I mean, I know God has self-control, but He doesn't need it. But um, well, maybe He does. 
Anyway, that's a, that's a, I'm chasing rabbits. Every one of the fruits of the Spirit are, are characteristics of God. So love is a characteristic of God. Joy is a characteristic of God. Peace is a characteristic. Patience is a characteristic of God. So if I'm talking about a difficult type of waiting, a waiting that happens in, in difficult times, I want to look to God as my example because that's what he shows us how to do. So I want to go back. We're going to go back to Old Testament, a couple verses in the Old Testament, one verse in the New Testament. Uh, I'm going to use the screen, Psalms 103. Uh, Psalms 103 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That's an Old Testament verse. We don't usually think of the Old Testament God in those terms. We think of the Old Testament as like, you know, God's vindictive and he's punishing and all these things. But this is taken from a speech that God delivers to Moses as Moses is given the Ten Commandments. And you know, the the nation of Israel, as soon as he rescued them from Egypt, they complained, they fussed, they griped. We want to go back to Egypt. We had it better when we were in slavery than we do now. What are we going to eat and where are we going to live and all this, and we're never going to get in the promised land and all this stuff. You think about the patience that it required for God to, to, with his people. And as Moses gives the Ten Commandments, they're worshiping false idols. And so God says to them, I am slow to anger and abounding in love. And that's a patience. You hear this patience in, in, in this psalm in terms of compassion and grace and love, and God will not always accuse, and he will not harbor his anger forever. He will not treat us as our sins deserve. He will not repay us according to his wrongs. And then I think this is a psalm of David. If you know David's backstory, then you know a little bit about why this meant so much to David, because this is a psalm of, of, of the Lord's patience with him and how God always responded with compassion and with grace to him. I mean, this is a very... You hear the kind of waiting that God is talking about? You hear how God is acting while he waits on these things? The other one comes from the prophet Isaiah, and he picks up on the same thing. Now, this one's interesting to me. This is in the 30th chapter of Isaiah. I am going to use my Bible for this one because I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but the title of this is Woe to an Obstinate Nation. Now, that's the subtitle that the English translations gave to it, but Woe to an Obstinate Nation. And listen how he begins the first two verses. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord, to those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look to help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. And he, and he goes through this, this whole scenario here. Well, I want to read verse 3. Do I have that one up there, Noah? Verse 3? Nope, I'm going to keep reading anyway. Um, but Pharaoh's protection will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will be to your disgrace. Though they have officials uh, in Zoan and their envoys have arrived in Hanes, everyone will be put to shame because of these people. And so he, he goes through, it's this very, <laughs> he's giving these woes to the nation of Israel because they've been disobedient to him and because they continue to pursue Pharaoh and continue to pursue Egypt. And he's giving these, these woes to them that you're not carrying out my plans and you're forming an alliance but not by my spirit. And he goes through, it very similar to the woes that Jesus gives to the Pharisees, but at the very end, listen how it ends. And this is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Go to verse uh, 18 for me, Noah. 
Look at this. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, he will rise up and show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. And blessed are all who wait on him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears you, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And so even as, as God expresses frustration with the rebellion of his people, there's this, this, the Lord longs to be compassionate to you. The Lord longs to show grace to you. The Lord longs to, I mean, there's this long, this long suffering, this forbearance that God has with his people. In that uh, text that I referred to just a minute ago, uh, Matthew 23, Jesus gives that woe to the religious leaders, and he's taking them to task for uh, their hypocrisy and for their self-righteousness. And sometimes the kindest thing we can do and the most compassionate things we can do for other people is to point out wrong behavior. I mean, that's, that's a compassionate thing to do. That's not a lack of compassion. Just I'm just going to let them continue to violate those boundaries, and I'm going to let them continue to do that. It's, that's not compassion. So Jesus points out to these religious leaders, and he talks to them, you know, woe about your hypocrisy and woe about your self-righteousness. But then look at the way this verse ends, this passage. Uh, verse, um, Matthew 23, put that one up for me. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who killed the prophets and stoned those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers chicks under his wings, and you were not willing. So even in that, you hear this tone of compassion in God. All throughout the Old Testament and all throughout the New Testament, there's a, a waiting with a patience, but a patience that is tinged with compassion and long-suffering and, and, and hope. And a lot of hope that people will eventually come back, that people will eventually turn around. The New Testament talks of this as Second Peter chapter three, uh, verse nine, and he says, "The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance." And I think about the guy who wrote that, and I'm like, man, who better to write that than Peter? Because Peter. I mean, Scott, you're talking about like making mistakes in worship. You know, that, that's nothing. That, you, you mess up a chord or something, big deal. I mean, Peter made all kinds of mistakes in his life. And, and there are multiple times when he, um, well, he rebuked Jesus. How many, could people, how many have that on their list? You know, like, I rebuked Jesus. I told him, no, Jesus, you're wrong. Uh, you know, Peter was one that said, no, Jesus, you're wrong. That's not the way it's going to play out. Uh, he denied Jesus. And, and, and Jesus just kept restoring him. And Jesus just kept restoring. And you know what Jesus kept waiting for? I feel like Jesus kept waiting for the person that he thought Peter could become because he could see what was in Peter. Peter couldn't see it yet. The other disciples couldn't see it yet. But he could see what was in Peter, and he was patiently waiting for this man to step up and become the kind of man that he knew he could be and the kind of man that he would use to lead his church. Peter was the guy that he planned to use to lead his church. And so Peter later, when he writes to encourage a Christian, says, oh, the Lord's not slow. Not in the way you understand. The Lord's patient with us. And I mean, he's got a personal testimony about it right there. He's patient with us. Um, I want to show you one more definition, and, and then we're going to close with a song. <clears throat> okay. So we started with the message with, like, how do you define patience? And talk about long-suffering and forbearance and those things. How do you define it? Rubel ended up giving a definition of it in this book that... I just thought was perfect, especially in terms of, because we just ask at the end of this, like, how do you respond when it's, 
You're waiting on somebody to overcome addiction. You're waiting on forgiveness to happen. You're waiting on reconciliation to occur. You're waiting on, you know, somebody to, to come back to, to, to health or whatever it is. You know, like how do you respond in those things? We look to God as our example, like how God was patient with us and, and how we can be patient with, with other people. But um, look at the way Rubel defines patience. I want to throw this one up here. Patience is the discipline of spirit that allows one to bear with people and circumstances until God brings his solution and good purpose to light in the situation. I really like that. So patience is, is uh, the discipline of spirit. We've got to work at it. The discipline of spirit that allows us to bear with people and to bear with circumstances until God brings his solution and good purpose. God, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord. That doesn't mean that everything's going to work out exactly like you want it to, but it does mean that in the end, everything will be okay. If it's not the end, if it's not okay, it's not the end. <laughs> but in the end, everything's okay because God is working things according to this greater purpose. And so we patiently wait on that. We wait with expectation, and we wait with hope that God is going to work through this situation. I want to say a word of prayer for us, and then I'm, I've got Scott coming back up to sing that truth to God, to thank him for keeping hope alive through his patience and help us to be able to do those same things. So let me pray for us. Let me, let me do this too before we pray. I was supposed to come back up and do the offering. After we're done singing, the, the, the collection bins are around the room, and you can do that. Most of you know how to give online. That slide will be up at the very end of services, and you can, you can use it that way. Don't forget about the angel tree gifts, okay? The angel, we got 90 names, and they usually go pretty quick. So go grab an angel uh, as you leave today. But that way we can close with this song. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for um, your patience for us. And uh, a lot of us have grown up in backgrounds where uh, we didn't hear about that patience. We heard that, that you know, you were frustrated with us or irritated with us or disappointed in us and um, you were anxious to judge us or anxious to condemn us to hell that nothing we could do is right and that's not the story we read in the old testament or the new testament we read of of you being slow to anger and abounding in love and being compassionate and not holding us accountable for the sins we've committed, but giving us your son Jesus to die as a sacrifice for that sin so that you don't treat us the way we deserve. You don't, you don't accuse us. You forgive us and you reconcile us. And because of that, no matter what situation we're going on in our lives, no matter how messed up our lives are right now or our families are right now or no matter how messed up things are, we know that there is hope because that's what you give us and that's what we, we there is hope you keep that alive for us because of what you've done for us through Jesus and we close our message today by standing and seeing that to you and thanking you and praising your name for the hope that you give us it's in the name of your son Jesus I pray these things amen let's stand and sing that <laughs> Days may be darkest, but 
Your light is greater, you light our way, God, you light our way. When evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails. You keep hope alive because you are alive. Jesus, you are alive. Death had a stronghold. Your life was rose from the grave, rose up from the when evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. You keep hope alive, you keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word never fails, you keep hope alive because you are alive Jesus you are alive there's hope there's hope in the morning hope in the evening hope because you're living hope because you're breathing there's hope in the breaking hope in the sorrow Have a good Sunday.